I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, it is time for the episode that originally aired on June 19th, 2013. In this episode... We finally get to meet my favorite wrestler. <gasps> I wonder if Bob knows who it is. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Let's find out. Welcome to episode 5 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode was super fucking eventful, seeing <laughs> as we watched the best match in NXT so far, crowned a new champion, met Bailey, who's super awkward and adorable, etc. Uh, this week, we have a good example of wrestling as a TV show, as plot points from the beginning of the episode are paid off at the end, and all sorts of other things happen that we will hear about in Bob's breakdown. She will also give her opinion of this episode, and I hope she doesn't get too sad when we ring the bell. <gasps> oh, God. After that, it'll be the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, the wrestling term of the week, and, of course, the cheap pop quiz. Speaking of which, Bob racked up some major points yeah! uh, back in episode three. So let's see how she did in last episode's cheap pop quiz. Question one was, next episode, you will meet a wrestler named Xavier Woods. Which two oh. adjectives best describe him? A, massive and cowardly, B, tiny and angry, C, nerdy and funky, and D, gentlemanly and horny. Bob, because you just have to stay true to your brand, you of course Thank chose you. D, gentlemanly and horny. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's incorrect because Xavier Woods is in fact nerdy and funky, and we will get to that later oh, on. So great. Although, now I'm wondering if there is a gentlemanly and horny character that will appear later on. Mm, it's possible. Question two. Next episode for the first time, you will encounter a match that ends with a decision other than pinfall or submission. Will that decision be A, disqualification, B, countout, C, time limit draw, or D, no contest? Bob, you chose A, disqualification, and as you now know, you were correct. Oh, God, which match was it? The very first <laughs> one. The very first oh, one. Oh, that, oh, did somebody yell disqualification? I don't even remember that being yelled. <laughs> I don't think they actually yelled it, but it was definitely the result of the match. Oh, okay. I don't know what I thought was happening. I just thought, well, we'll get into it in the breakdown. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Yay, points for me. <laughs> and question three. Did Bo Dallas actually celebrate his championship victory by going to Disney World? A, no, that's just a cliche that he spouted off because he didn't know what else to say when Renee came out to talk to him. B, maybe, who knows, it's never brought up again. C, I mean, he says he did, but are you really going to trust a guy who smiles all the time and accidentally <laughs> on purpose exposed the turnbuckle to win the title? Or D, yes, and he even has pictures to prove it. Bob, you chose D, yes, and he even has pictures to prove it. And you are correct. <laughs> I have six points now. <laughs> you do. You have crossed the halfway mark. 
I to have, getting me no. to read something of your choice. Oh man, I've already started plotting. <laughs> so we'll see how long it takes this thing to pay off. But uh, stay yeah. tuned for that, listeners. We'll see what we get Miles to read eventually. You started with zeros out of the gate, and since then you've been really doing great in the pop quiz recently, Bob. So congratulations to you. Thank um, you. Now let's see if you can do great in Bob's breakdown. Match one, Adrian Neville shows up to answer the question. What if Mary Brandybuck was ripped as fuck and grew his hair out? <laughs> now we know. Bray Wyatt wanders in, family in tow. No sign of Graves and Ono. They slacking? Is there a mm. Faye holding court somewhere and Corey Graves had to put in an appearance? It's very possible. So Neville manages to get Wyatt down, prepares to do a flying move when the Wyatt family attack. They push him off the top rope and then jump in the ring. It's just start mauling him. Sandor Clegane and Tormund Giants Bane tell Mary to fuck off back to Middle Earth. <laughs> this is Westeros country. The ref is feebly attempting to stop all of this when... Oh my God, it's Graves and Ono. Who knew? Oh boy. They drag Harper from the ring, throw him headfirst into the stairs real bad. Mm. The stairs move significantly when he hits him. <laughs> and I am fairly certain that those steps are not made of foam rubber. They are not, no. So they pull out Rowan and Wyatt ducks out of the ring just as Graves and Ono take possession of it. Then a funky song starts to play and Commissioner Dusty Rhodes comes to tell everyone to simmer down. They want to fight? They can do a three-man tag team match later tonight on, as Dusty Rhodes puts it, NXT! Yeah, baby! Yeah, he does. That is a direct quote. Dusty Rhodes is a fucking legend, both as a wrestler and a creative promoter and a booker and every, he's on everything. He's unfortunately passed away now, but um, his voice and his accent is iconic and you will never meet a diehard wrestling fan who has not at least once attempted to replicate it with varying results. And for that reason, Aww. I'm not going to do it here. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually want to tag you in for just a second to explain a little bit about that role. I know we talked about authority last time. Yeah. And so the commissioner, you know, as an authority figure. But I wanted to ask, is he also, for lack of a better word, like a deus ex machina that's there to make plot stuff happen faster? That is often how the authority figure is used in wrestling. Like I said okay. uh, in the last episode, NXT doesn't go to that well as often as other promotions and indeed WWE's own main roster does. On Raw and SmackDown to this day, you will get like the show will open with the authority figure in the ring talking about what matches are happening. And we're just not even going to like we're just Weird. that's how we get there. It's just the, the dude shows up and talks. I think in NXT, the authority figures role is more frequently to be a person who sort of arbitrates disputes. And because you don't see people running in to cause disqualifications super often in NXT, when that kind of shit happens, it's a chaotic situation and the boss has to come in and like be like, all right, you guys want to fight so badly? We're going to do this in a different way. Okay. This is also, by the way, a joke. Uh, there was an authority figure on SmackDown for a long time named Teddy Long, who is very associated with 
this trope of two guys are fighting, a bunch of other guys run in, and we make this a tag team match for later in the night. So, <laughs> like, pulling a Teddy Long, or you will often hear people say, it's going to be a tag team match, player! Because that was his phrase. Oh, it's very okay. associated with him. Okay, so match two is Angelo Dawkins versus Sami Zayn. Zayn does a lot of sleight of hand, is the best way I can describe it, ducking, doing fast twists to get out of holds. He runs at Dawkins several times, grabs an arm, and just tugs him down and flips him over with his body weight. It has this kind of cool bouncy look to it. Dawkins mm-hmm. has momentum for a little bit, making Zayn struggle, and then Zayn pulls the match back from the brink, ending Dawkins with the same move that he used on Kurt Hawkins. That's currently his finishing move. Ew, does it have a name? I don't think so. The name of the move, like if anyone did it, is called a tornado DDT, because oh. a DDT is when you you sort of get your opponent's head like under your arm and like drop backwards so they their head goes into the mat okay and when you do it like off the ropes like that that's a tornado ddt i feel like i just ate a chunk of knowledge i know a move name fun fact the ddt was invented by accident i believe by jake the snake roberts when he had somebody in a headlock like that and fell down accidentally. Well, I'm glad they've now practiced that move because yes. i imagine the first time pretty high risk yes very much so Zane does some real acting as the camera follows him back up the ramp. He looks sort of relieved, but also frustrated with himself. Miles, I wanted to tag you in because this match was sort of short and forgettable, but... What is the nature of this match in advancing Zayn's storyline? So what is the role of the post-Big Loss match? Given what we hear from Zayn in his backstage promo with Renee later, you know, obviously he lost to Cesaro. Now he's going up against Angelo Dawkins, who's very much a lower-level opponent. So he was kind of expected to win that match. He won the match. It doesn't really mean a whole lot for him because he still wants to beat Cesaro. That's my interpretation. All right. No, that's helpful to me because I was kind of curious about what that means for next week because next week is going to be Biggie Langston's first time that we see him after he loses the championship. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious about what beats that story goes through as, oh, a big thing happened and it didn't go your way. Now what? There may or may not be a question about that in this episode's Cheap Pop Quiz, Bob. So stay tuned. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. All right. I will stay tuned. I won't go anywhere. Okay. Match three is Sasha Banks versus Summer Rae. Summer Rae is apparently the first lady of something? Miles, (laughs) what is she? I mean, she's the first lady of NXT is what she calls herself. Oh, well, all right. Fair enough. She did not get that title by being married to or in a relationship with the president (laughs) of NXT or anything along those lines. uh, I think she just calls herself that. That's pretty ballsy to just say, I'm not with you, but like I'm in charge now in this regard. I've declared myself to have this role. I can moderately respect that. Okay, so the bell goes and Summer Rae starts hard, just ripping into Sasha. The crowd Mm -hmm. is super into Sasha, though, and chanting, let's go, Sasha. And I was very happy with that. As well they Uh, fucking should be. Yeah. So Summer Rae has her in the corner and does some choking torture with her foot. It looks like a kinky Uh shit. Summer Rae grabs Sasha's leg, drags her into the middle, tries to pin and then yells, stay down. And now I hate Summer Rae. <laughs> so Sasha kicks out. 
Summer Rae grabs Sasha's hair and then just screams into her face. She gets mm-hmm. Sasha on the mat and grabs her arms, stretching them in their sockets. And ugh. Sasha does this cool move. She rolls towards Summer Rae butt first. So Summer Rae ends up on her back with Sasha's ass in her face. There's like, yeah, yep. do it. And then Summer Rae shoves her off and then it all devolves into tit slapping and screaming. Oh, my God. Fucking it- I cannot wait for women's wrestling to change. <laughs> I was kind of surprised that's how long it took for me to see tit slapping in a women's match. So it's kind of like sure. it exceeded my my very modest expectations. There um, was also like the weird sequence where like Summer mounts her and like shakes her a lot. And then Sasha like turns her over and like shakes her a lot. And it was very catfighty yes. and I didn't enjoy it. That was really a classic bit of choreography from a fight in the hallway at a high school in yeah. a movie set in a high school from the 90s, something like that. It had all those beats. The match ends with Summer Rae wrapping a leg around Sasha and screaming, Bye bye, Sasha! And then slams her down for the pin. So Summer Rae scares me Mm. and I think is probably evil. She definitely is. Sasha Banks, though, is the greatest wrestler in the world. And I love her. And she hasn't really shown yet why she is that and why I love her so much. But I just had to say, because it's her first appearance on the show, that I fucking (gasps) love Sasha Banks. And she's the best. And I love her. All right. I look forward to more of her because I was not getting to see the best of her. It felt like I was not getting to see the best of either of these performers. But definitely not Sasha. Basically, at this point, she's doing the smiley, happy, like babyface thing. Doesn't really have a character. I think the announcers mentioned that she's Snoop Dogg's cousin, which is actually true. But yeah, not a lot going on for Sasha here. But at the risk of of incidental spoilers, uh, there will be much (laughs) more going on with her later. And it's the best. All right. Then we go backstage. It is Xavier Woods. He introduces himself exactly like Troy McClure from The Simpsons. (laughs) He does! He looks directly to camera and says, you may remember me from such episodes as, and it is maybe the funnest intro to a character I've seen yet. I loved it. It's so fucking funny. His delivery is so good. Such good timing. Such good sense of the character that he wants to bring across. Miles, I wanted to bring up that Angela Dawkins, Sasha, and Xavier Woods are all black. And this is, I think, the most racially diverse episode I've seen of NXT so far. So I was wondering about racial diversity in wrestling and how that's progressing or not. So, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, Wrestling is not the most progressive thing in the world, as I'm sure anyone who has ever come across wrestling is no doubt aware. One of the reasons that a lot of people are turned off by the very idea of pro wrestling is because it seems inherently non-progressive, like inherently kind of stuck in the past. So you expect to see women being used as like sex objects and not seen as people. And you expect to see some racist shit. And and there is that. I think that Mm -hmm. even today, there's been a lot of movement in that direction. But but even today, Vince McMahon is a racist piece of shit. And he continues to run his show like the racist piece of shit that he is. And there's a lot of it. It's a big problem, especially with black people. I mean, it's like if you ever wonder why such and such black person doesn't like do better on WWE's main roster, it's probably because they're black. And like Mm. there was a whole thing recently with Hulk Hogan where like he is a racist. 
and they're starting to kind of try and bring him back because there was so much ah. heat on him for a while that he was like publicly disavowed by the company. But now they're kind of trying to face him back in a little bit, and it's really awful. Um, that having been said, NXT is a little bit different. It's run, as I talked about last time, by Triple H. Um, mm-hmm. And Triple H has an attitude toward his wrestling product that is pretty reminiscent of what we're seeing from a lot of mega corporations right now, which is that it's profitable to at least pretend to be progressive to at Ah. least give out the image of being progressive. That's what people want. And so you see fewer stereotypes in NXT. You see more of an attempt to at least appear progressive, but there's still a lot of issues, you know, in this period in NXT in particular, the head trainer was a dude named Bill DeMott and Bill mm-hmm. DeMott had to resign in 2015 because of a bunch of accusations made by former NXT wrestlers about him using racial slurs, him using ah. homophobic slurs, bullying them ceaselessly. Ah. Like it's a, it was a real bad scene. I want to talk more about diversity and more about these issues as we move forward in this podcast. But mm-hmm. um, I'm glad you brought it up because it is a thing that exists. It's important to talk about it. It's important to realize that Angelo Dawkins and Sasha Banks both lost on this episode. Um, You know, Xavier Woods wins, but Xavier Woods is also clearly trying to do what he can with this gimmick that he's been given, which Mm -hmm. is like an Afro sporting mustache wearing 70s dancing black man gimmick that just like screams that was come up with by a white person who's like 50 years old or older. And so I want it to be something that we talk about. But I will say that I think in general for wrestling, NXT is one of the better promotions, although hardly the best. In existence. Okay, that helps. And that gives me some framework moving forward. Yeah. But it also then makes me curious in the future if we end up doing other episodes where we explore independent promotions, what the diversity looks like in those. Because, I mean, this is one slice of diversity that we're talking about this time. But I think there's a lot of other slices of diversity we were also not getting and like we don't have time to talk about all of them but i mean one i could just bring up off the top of my head is the fact that we see kind of a variety of body types for the men none for the women really and i get that that has to do with a kind of marketability and that primarily you have to be sexy and all those other things, whereas no one is asking Bray Wyatt to be sexy. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say he's not. It's not my place to say, oh, he's not sexy, but no one is looking at Bray Wyatt and going, okay, but can you really exude more musk so everybody's into it? Like, nobody's doing that to Bray Wyatt. You look at the way Summer Rae presents herself, for example, and it's like very, she looks like a model, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, like, we're coming out of this time in WWE where you kind of had to be a model to be a WWE wrestler. If you were a woman, we're moving out of that. And Summer Rae, I think doesn't get enough credit for being as good of a wrestler as she is, but it is better now in 2019 as we record this than it is in 2013. And a lot of that movement came out of NXT, which is one of the reasons I love NXT so much. So we're going to be able to track that a little bit as we move forward. But that having been said, it has to be acknowledged that wrestling in general, 
everywhere has a race problem and wrestling in general everywhere has a gender problem. And there are things happening that are really cool. One of the major companies right now is really spotlighting a trans wrestler in their women's division. <gasps> and she's fucking amazing. And her name is Nyla Rose and I love her. And if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Nyla Rose, go out and check it out because she is fucking great. That's so cool. So, yeah, we're seeing progress. Not enough and not fast enough for my taste personally, um, but we are seeing it. And I do want to just say, to be fair to wrestling, although not really to be fair to wrestling, to be equally harsh on other forms of entertainment, other forms of entertainment everywhere are also terrible in terms yeah. of diversity. So yeah, there true. you go, other forms of entertainment. <laughs> you also are on the hook to shape the fuck up. Yeah, like I, I say this like it's, you know, like it's something unique to wrestling. It's like the world has a race of the gender problem. Yeah, so. it's shocking. It's amazing the extent to which, you know, the problems of the world find their way into the media that gets made yeah. by the Crazy. world. Crazy. Oh, who would have thought? I wouldn't have suggested NXT as your entry point, Bob, if I didn't feel like it was a place where you would be seeing a little bit more of that progression as we move on, because that's one of the things that I really love about it. And again, it's not enough, but it's something. And that's more than you see in Vince McMahon's product, for sure. All right. So to go into match four, I will say we get Jake Carter versus Xavier Woods and Jake Carter is in the ring already is one bland unit of white jock dude he is i got nothing from him other than that by contrast xavier woods dances to the ring like he is thrilled to be in front of a crowd Mm -hmm. and the announcer says that he's from angel grove which is the home of the power rangers i have so much to say about the nerd references going on in the xavier woods match but i'm gonna wait until sights has it fails it's (laughs) spoiler okay so carter is looking at woods going what what the fuck woods does a breakdance move towards carter who runs to the apron like, to avoid how cool these moves are, uh, he gets back in the ring and Woods has him on the back foot. Miles, I wanted to ask, they both seem like baby faces. Is this a baby face versus baby face match? Or am I supposed to hate Jake Carter? Because frankly, he does not seem memorable enough to hate. He's honestly more of a jobber than anything else. So, like, okay. he didn't get a ring entrance. He didn't. He was just there for Woods to beat. I don't think you're okay. really supposed to feel anything for him. The uh, last well, time we saw him, the announcers tried to put him over as, like, the guy who will steal your girlfriend or something. If oh, you recall. Geez. Barely. I recall that that line was said, but I didn't recall that it was Carter because that is how memorable he is. And I'm yeah. sorry, Jake Carter. I'm sure... You are a fine being, I hope. But uh, yeah, no feelings were aroused by any of whatever Carter was doing. Right. So Woods ends up using Carter like a playground, is just flipping up to wrap his legs around him and drag him down. Carter tries to get back into it, trying to get on offense. He has Woods down on the mat and prepares for a flying attack, but Woods does get him in the gut. And then Woods yells... It's morphin' time! (laughs) He somersaults towards Carter, pops up to throw himself directly at Carter's face with an arm outstretched to clothesline him, gets him pinned, and it's over. Bye-bye, whatever your name is. I already forgot. Two things about Woods. I cannot emphasize the extent to which he sells and rejoices in every move he does. Like, he is genuinely having a great time, and it makes him a joy to watch. 
Secondly, he is the first NXT wrestler that I actually want to follow on Twitter. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's toppled Mason Ryan in my affections, but right. oh my well, God, he's so, yeah, right? I mean, he's not a pony. He was just so energetic and such great work with the crowd. Yeah, you should definitely follow Xavier Woods on social media because he is all over that shit and he is fucking delightful. Um, yeah! I have so much to say about him. It's actually, I can't even express it. Anyway, go on, Bob. Okay. So backstage, Zayn is, again, acting his ass off. Uh, he's on the mic with Renee Young. He's acting vulnerable, quietly pissed off with Cesaro from last week. And he tells Cesaro they've each got one victory. They need a round three to settle things once and for all. So no more Mr. Nice Pupper. Then we're backstage again by the Mick Foley poster this time. That's right. With I saw it this Celeste. time. <laughs> Yeah, so now we are like, okay, we're still backstage, but a different part of the set. Right. We're there with Sylvester LaFour, Dawson and Dylan. Commissioner Dusty Rhodes shows up and offers to hook up Dawson and Dylan with a match against Ono and Graves. So that is a thing. With the winner getting a shot of the tag team championship. Yes, thank you for adding that in there because I did forget that that was the point of that. And then Miles, also a side note to this whole thing. I texted you this weekend because we learned Mm -hmm. something shocking. The guy who plays Sylvester LaFort is actually French. Actually French? Who knew? Prior to this bombshell, what did you think Sylvester LaFort's deal was? I literally just assumed he was like a fucking wrestler who showed up one day like an American dude who was doing a French accent. Because, I mean, this is the company that has had Lana, who's an American woman doing a Russian accent, who had at one point had a terrible, terrible, like in the worst possible taste, Middle Eastern Muslim (gasps) character being portrayed by a fucking Italian. Like, it it never entered into my mind that LaFour was actually French, but he is. I texted Miles to say he was born in Nice, France in 1984, and I thought that he was a 40-year-old man from Jersey. Just assumed that has to be where this man came from and how old he is. I can think of no other explanation. Yeah. But no, genuinely French. I... It has changed my life to know this. <laughs> Makes you wonder whether or not Dusty's line about loving French wine and French women was rehearsed or not. Because for a second, yeah. for a second, LaFour looks a little bit taken aback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a weird thing to have somebody say to you about your country. You're like, oh, geez. Then we get a quick package from Bo Dallas showing mm-hmm. his pictures from Disney World. What a soft dork. <laughs> It's just so goofy. I did not know his fans were called Believers. 90% sure they stole that from Believers. Like, I'm mm, positive. Yeah, it was 2013. I'm positive it happened that way. Right? I can think of no other way how you would arrive at that. So then we get the, what's the big deal match called? The main event. There we go. The main event. All right, match five, main event. Hobbit, Sulky Faye, and Surfer Boy come to the ring. AKA Neville, Graves, and Ono. Then the Wyatt family. If you've been following along. Yeah, exactly. If you were there from the beginning of this particular breakdown, then we get Bray, Sandor, and Tormund, or, you know, Harper and Rowan. Uh, AKA those good bear boys. Those good, good bear boys. Miles, before the match starts, is there anything different about a three man tag team match? Are they common? Are the rules different? Uh, it's called the six man tag usually because um, oh, there's okay. six people. Uh, no, there's no difference. It's just you have an extra guy there to tag. Okay. Now I just I did not know I was going to do this, but now I have to go off on a quick tangent to say 
what the fuck? It's called a six-man match, but a tag team match is not called a four-man match. It's it's a six-man tag because it's different from a regular tag team match, I guess. Mm, I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> there are also eight-man tags and ten-man tags, so. Oh, what? Yeah. Wow. Will I ever see a four man or a five man? No, sorry. Eight man or got to do math. (laughs) Eight man or 10 man match. You'll definitely see eight. I'm not sure if you'll ever see 10. All right. Well, armed with something bizarre to look forward to. Harper and Graves start off. Graves gets a pretty strong start, taking advantage of his unnatural fairy speed and grace. Tags off to Ono and Rowan. (laughs) Ono struggles a little bit, gets a high kick to Rowan's face in an attempt to pin. Then Ono tags Neville, who starts kicking Rowan in the legs. Rowan tags in Wyatt, and oh my god, Wyatt is significantly bigger in a way that I had not picked up on whenever it was just Neville and Wyatt for whatever reason, but very Mm -hmm. big. Uh, He picks Neville up like he's a baby koala but then also just slams his back into the post and throws him onto the mat, as you would not do to a baby koala. I mean, Uh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, who would? They're so small, so soft. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've heard they're not that soft, but that's not a good reason to treat a baby koala the way that Wyatt is treating Neville. So (laughs) Neville gets Wyatt down. He does some nasty kicks. Miles, I got to ask you, is it unusual that Neville uses his legs so much He's the first one I've seen who uses his lower body this much in a fight. No, it's not unusual. Some wrestlers use kicks more often and he's one of those wrestlers. Okay. I mean, I was really enjoying the change of pace because it was something I hadn't really seen before, but he really moves from his lower body. I think a lot of smaller guys who do more high flying stuff tend to do more kicky things, but a lot of people use kicks too. So I'll have to watch out more to see who's using their lower body because I was really enjoying the way that Neville moves. Yeah, we Um, have been seeing a lot of upper body guys recently in NXT, but I don't think that's indicative of anything apart from like that's just who they are well wyatt drags neville over to the wyatt family corner tags in harper harper isn't fast enough to get neville at first who dodges under him like a hobbit escaping with a handful of ill-gotten mushrooms which if you (laughs) haven't if you don't remember like early chapters of fellowship Fellowship of the rings mushrooms are a big thing the hobbits really like so there you go yeah Fucking Farmer Maggot, man. You gotta take his shit. Yeah! Also, mushrooms are full of selenium, which is a thing we need, apparently, as humans. So there you go. <laughs> this has been Mushroom Facts with Bob. <laughs> Corey Graves takes over fighting Harper, takes a kick in the head from Harper. For a second, he is laid out on his belly looking unconscious, but it turns out he's sort of okay. Harper drags him over to the corner. Wyatt's tagged in and there's a lot of gut kicking. He manages to tag in Ono, but then Ono is trapped in the Wyatt corner. Wyatt stands on Ono for a second on one foot. My sternum screamed. (laughs) Ono gets over to tag in Neville, who leaps from the ropes and gets Wyatt in the face with both feet. Almost pins Wyatt. Now, all the Wyatt family are out of the ring. Shit goes nuts. Ono slides between the ropes to get Rowan in the face, and then Neville leaps out of the ring, does a flip in the air, and comes down on Rowan, Harper, and Ono. Wyatt's down in the ring, and Neville is about to do a flying move, but Harper pulls Wyatt out from under him, 
right before Neville can land. And then as soon as Neville is laid out in the ring, Wyatt leaps onto him for the pin. Neville, Ono, and Graves are defeated, which was a bummer. The pressing question, though, is what will William Regal have to say about this, I wonder? Mm. Mm, It is a pressing question. I have theories that he planned this, but I don't know why. Just because he made that look at the end. And now I'm like, is William Regal evil? (laughs) I like him a lot, regardless of whether or not he's evil. I just have questions. What is his alignment? (laughs) I mean, you know, it's wrestling. They change all the time. Oh, damn it. That's not fair. All right. Well, what did you think of this episode, Bob? Overall, I did enjoy it. I think I was thrown off by the balance of the match lengths um, Mm -hmm. because the three man tag team match was about 15 minutes of the episode. And I was not sure it told 15 minutes worth of story, but it did give everyone a chance to shine. So there was that. And then the other thing that I think differentiated this match for me is that maybe... As much as the very first episode, this episode had to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of introducing me personally to these characters that I hadn't met before. So I didn't get the same like, oh, this is advancing storylines. So I didn't have that to pull me in for some of the other matches because I, you know, I'd never seen Sasha Banks before. I'd never seen Xavier Woods before. Yeah, Angelo Dawkins, Summer Rae, Sasha Banks, and Xavier Woods all introduced to us for the first time on this episode. Yeah. Um, So I am interested to see the payoff for it. The main storylines being advanced here are the continuing story of the Wyatt family versus Neville Graves and Ono, and then the Zane Cesaro story was given some slight advancement in this one. Bob, do you think that on the next episode, Ono and Graves will defeat Dawson and Dylan to earn another shot of the tag team titles, or do you think they will lose? I really don't know. I want them to defeat Dawson and Dylan. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, though, because Dawson and Dylan fight dirtier mm-hmm. than Graves and Ono do. But I don't know. I That's what I want to have happen. So we'll see. Okay. I'm, I'm very interested to see it happen. We're going to get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling in just a moment. But first, we have to ring the bell. Oh, okay. It's all right, Bob. Nothing too devastating this week, especially given the breakdown just now. We are saying goodbye to Jake Carter. Oh, all right. Bye. Bye, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> it will not be appearing on NXT TV again. He worked a few NXT house shows after this. House shows are non-televised live events, which are distinct from TV tapings. Apparently, he was present for one more TV taping in September 2013, wrestling a guy named Tensai, also known as Matt Bloom. He actually became NXT's head trainer after that shitty Demott guy resigned. So Mm. Carter wrestled him, but it was a dark match, uh, a.k.a. a match that wasn't shown on TV. Allegedly, it was so bad that Carter was released immediately thereafter. (laughs) Whoa, holy Um, shit. I've also read that the creative team just really hated all his ideas for his character, like the steal your girlfriend thing. Anyway, he only wrestled that I can find three more matches after NXT. Although in two of them, he got to team up with his dad, the wrestling legend Big Van Vader. So that's nice. Okay. By the way, R.I.P. Big Van Vader, who tragically passed away last year and who was one of the greats. Aw. I have no frame of reference, but I'm still, you know, R.I.P. Yeah, wrestlers die too young. Yeah, that's a hard thing to put a human body through. It is. Well, speaking of hard things, that's a terrible transition. Uh, But let's... (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into these sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. 
It makes me sad. Like, my fanfic isn't just full of dicks this time. <laughs> well, before we get to your fanfic, Bob, I do want to know, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw the way Adrian Neville moves. He seems so light on his feet in a way that I guess I want to compare him to Zane. Not because, you know, Zane's not great. Zane is exceptional. But Zane lands with force. You can hear the weight whenever he comes down. But with Neville, uh-huh. despite the fact that he is super strong, it looks effortless every time. It is much more the way that like a ballet person, he moves mm-hmm. like that. And it is yeah. it's fantastic. He has tremendous body control. And it's interesting that you compared him with Zane because I love comparing him with Zane because Zane, like his whole thing is that he's kind of chaotic and like he wrestles with a lot of heart. Yeah. And like he just like throws himself into everything. Whereas Neville, you can see like he's just like calculating how he's going to move and he moves so gracefully. Whereas Zane is less graceful than he is just like free, you know? That makes a lot of sense because for a long time, one of the only reality shows that I watched was So You Think You Can Dance, which I want to say I'm defend it to the death because it was a very interesting show. Sure. Because dance is not an art form that gets a lot of play on American television or television in general for the most part. To me, it is the difference between ballet or ballroom where you have to be very aware of your body and modern dance where you still have to be very aware of your body, but there can be a lot more choices in the way that you move. And Miles, now I want to ask, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes also saw Neville, uh, although in this case, I wanted to point to the finish of the main event, which I really loved and which you don't see often enough, in my opinion. I just love the fact that like, Neville goes for his finishing move, which is a high flying move called the Red Arrow. Harper, I think, pulls Bray Wyatt out of the way and Mm -hmm. Neville sells the fuck out of hitting the mat, like just like crashes and burns, man. And Wyatt just gets back in the ring and pins him. It makes so much sense. And I don't know why we don't see it more often in wrestling. It's like if you go for this big high flying move that results in you winning pretty much every time you actually hit it, then if you don't, like, wouldn't that then be like an instant loss because you're hitting the mat? You know what I mean? It looks painful despite the fact that, you know, he's obviously knows how to do it. So it's not painful, but it did not look like fun. Right. It was probably still painful. but <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right. I was like, there's no way it wasn't yeah. pretty painful. He, did, he just like he made that shit look good. And I just really appreciated that finish. It was really creative. It didn't make Neville look any worse for losing. No. Because it's like, oh, shit, he just missed it. And when you miss a move that big, you might lose the match. I really enjoyed it. I really thought the timing of it was... Mm-hmm. Was exceptional because you could see Harper just give a yank on Bray Wyatt at the last possible minute to do it. Yeah. And it was a hard yank because it's not like he moved slowly. He just like shot out from under Neville. Yeah, really just just superlative. Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? So my Vulcaneers heard Tom say they're two demented psychopaths who he has brainwashed into following at his beck and call. It's talking about Rowan and Harper. Yeah. And then Brad Maddox screams, Tom, they are a walking Christmas card. How dare you? 
It was really good. I'm pretty upset every time Maddox is on commentary and Regal isn't, but he's got some decent lines. Yeah, it's not as good as Regal, but you know, for Brad Maddox, who I don't have a lot of relationship with and therefore don't have a lot of room to say this, it was fine. Yeah. And then Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Appropriately, my Vulcan ears heard the 10 million nerd references associated with Xavier Woods in this episode. Oh, he so good. His backstage promo, he was like, his fucking watch did the Power Rangers theme, and he was like, oh, gotta go, it's Morphin Time. Of course, he yeah. was announced from Angel Grove, said it's Morphin Time in the ring. The commentary kept talking about, like, how all the nerd shit he did, how he's like a PhD candidate, and Maddox <laughs> was getting mad at him for being a nerd. I loved it because knowing who Xavier Woods turned out to be, I know for a fact that all this shit was his idea because he really is that big of a nerd. And Xavier Woods, I'm not lying about the social media, Bob. He has a YouTube channel about video games. Like, he is real into nerd shit. And it makes me happy because you can just, like, see him trying to do whatever he can to make his own character, despite the fact that he was clearly told to be a black stereotype. I have seen him and other wrestlers cut promos on each other about how they're going to beat one another in Street Fighter. Like, it's... It's actually a really big thing with him, so it's delightful. Xavier Woods, you're a treasure. He really is. All right, Bob, speaking of treasures, what did your human heart feel? Xavier Woods. (laughs) 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 I just felt so much. I hadn't been that delighted by a character, and in a different way than I would for, you know, Sami Zayn or Mason Ryan, because Woods is just such a great performer. Every single moment, he is looking at the crowd, and he is feeding the crowd energy and, you know, an element of the performance. He's never just wrestling. And that is so cool to see. Miles, what did your human heart feel? Just Sasha Banks. I can't talk about why I love her so much because it would give stuff away later. But just seeing her for the first time on this podcast, I I was so happy. It made me so happy. She is my favorite wrestler currently working and a strong contender for favorite wrestler of all time. And um, what she's going to become and what she's going to mean to both me and NXT and like the wrestling industry is just so important to me. So I'm sorry that I can't get into it right now, Bob. Yeah, we'll boy, see it. this is a lot of like, I feel the weight of foreshadowing, but I have no idea what it means. I try not to do this on the show because it's I don't okay. want to spoil you for who's going to be around for a while and who's not and all this stuff. But like with her, I just can't keep it in. I have That's so okay. much love for Sasha Banks. Well, I'm looking forward to developing that love for her because I definitely felt like there was a lot that we weren't getting to see. And I, I want to see that. All right, that was the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. And now, Bob, it is time for the wrestling term of the week. But first, we need to hear your fanfic explaining your knowledge (laughs) of last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was authority. And I believe we have some submissions for characters that came from Twitter for this one. So I'm very excited to hear what this is all about. All right. Picard stood in the ring, glorying in his defeat of Kirk. A small, wiry figure streaked in, taking Picard at the knees, knocking him down. 
Oh my god, it's Wesley Crusher! <laughs> Wesley Crusher is in the ring trying to challenge Picard! The announcer blared. Wesley, I have told you again and again, I will not fight you. You may think you are my equal, but I can assure you that you are not. You are barely more than a child. It is beneath both of our dignities. It is beneath the dignity of this promotion. Come on, I can take you, old man. I challenge you to a match. I won't allow it. Go back to your toys, Crusher. <laughs> oh. A smiling figure stepped onto the ramp. Won't allow it? That's not really for you to say, is it, Picard? The screen behind him burst into a giant letter Q. <laughs> Come now, Q, you can't expect me to fight him. Give me a chance, Mr. Q, I can take him. Wesley pleaded. Oh, Wesley, that's the sort of can-do spirit I so admire about you. You can have a match with him, but let's just soften him up first, shall we? Q snapped his fingers and a giant black cube appeared on the Titantron. Next week, Picard, you'll be fighting the Borg. Once that's over, he's all yours, Mr. Crusher. Picard's mouth fell open. The Borg? You can't be serious. Deadly serious. What is it their fans are so fond of saying? Prepare to be assimilated! The crowd screamed. <laughs> oh yes, that's it. Have fun. And next time, Picard, do yourself a favor and remember who is the authority in this promotion. It's beautiful. Thank you for that, Bob. <laughs> and I think we have uh, Chris Newton of the Mega Dumbcast to thank for the we, TNG suggestion. We do. Thank you, Chris. And I also saw the suggestion from Krista, and I will be keeping that in my pocket, but I got to learn a little bit about that character first. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, we actually had a few people pile on a little bit later after I think you were done writing, Bob. So, oh, okay. And, I'll go uh, back and check. Yeah, we definitely have to have uh, Chris on for the show sometime. It'd be really fun. Yes. With that, Bob, here is this episode's Wrestling Term of the Week. All right. And it is over. Okay. So this is a really important term, and it's actually part of a family of terms that we're going to discuss together because next week's episode provides some really good representation of them. There are two distinct but related meanings of the word over in wrestling. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. It's not that hard. First of all, over refers simply to winning a match. So okay. to go over is to win. Um, usually it's used in the context of like the bookers backstage. So wrestlers might show up for a show and the booker will tell them, all right, guys, tonight Sami Zayn is going over Angelo Dawkins. Okay. It's called going over partially because the winning wrestler is usually physically on top of the losing wrestler, but also because of the second meaning of the term. To be over is to look good, to look cool, to have credibility. More precisely, to be over with the audience is to elicit the desired response from the crowd. Okay. Meaning the crowd is buying into the performance. The bigger the crowd's reaction, the more over the person or thing is. So Sami Zayn is super over with the NXT audience, right? They like yes. him. They cheer for him. They get loud when he shows up. During Emma's match on the next episode, you're going to hear the crowd start up an Emma chant. That means Aww. she's over. Other things can be over, too. Biggie Langston's five thing is over. And so his, like, finishing move, the big ending, is kind of over by association. Okay. And in general, you can determine overness sheerly by crowd response. And yes, I did just use the term overness. I which, was... <laughs> which really only applies to wrestling. Um, 
The other reason that winning is called going over is because for the most part, winning makes you look good, right? It makes you look cool. It gives you credibility. But you don't necessarily have to win to get over. Matches can be and often are designed to get both wrestlers over, one by winning and the other one by putting up a great fight and looking like they could have won, right? Mm -hmm. A great example of this, of course, again, is Sami Zayn losing to Cesaro last episode. He lost, sure, but he looked like a star. The match helped him get over. In episode two, we talked about jobbing and how doing a job was a derogatory term for losing. The opposite of that is putting someone over. This can refer to losing in an unselfish way, like, you know, man, it's super cool that Cesaro put Sami Zayn over back in their first match by actually losing to him, right? Or simply by making your opponent look really good, like, man, Cesaro won that second match, but he really put Zayn over in the process. You can even put someone over in a promo by acknowledging their wrestling skills, or like on commentary, the way William Regal frequently does, he puts people Mm -hmm. over. The fact that these actions are seen as so unselfish and magnanimous is because there's a long history in wrestling of top-level guys refusing to put over younger, lower-level talent because they're hmm. afraid of like losing their spot at the top and losing uh, overness themselves. Okay. There's kind of two kinds of overness. Oh, um, Jesus. My- <laughs> <laughs> Look. My brain is already coming out my ears. Okay, is, all right. No, I can do fun. it. This is going to be fun. So you can tell Sami Zayn is over because the crowd cheers loudly when he shows up, right? Yes. That loud cheer is called a pop. Okay. So a pop is getting a positive crowd response, usually in like one big moment. You'll sometimes hear someone say, oh, Sami Zayn came out to a huge pop. Or the crowd popped hard for the big ending. Oh, God. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) This term is the reason we call our quiz section the cheap pop quiz. Sometimes Ah, a wrestler will come out, get on a microphone and like praise the local sports team. Right. (laughs) Or like some other act of blatant pandering to try and get the crowd to cheer. That's a cheap pop. You're all very attractive. Yes. (laughs) Conversely, getting a negative crowd response is called getting heat. So when heels cheat or do something dastardly or generally are like just good enough at being heels that the crowd boos them, they have heat. They're over as a villain. Cheap heat, obviously, is when the heel does something blatant to get boos, like insult the local sports team. (laughs) Heat can also refer to a wrestler being in trouble with management behind the scenes, like legitimately. Like, oh, that guy has backstage heat because he's an asshole and none of the other wrestlers like him. Or you might have heat from management itself that results in you not getting on TV because they don't like you. And then, of course, there is go away heat, which is when the crowd isn't booing you because they're buying into your work as a heel, but because they just fucking hate watching you do anything and they want you to go away. Oh, my God. This is popularly referred to as X-Pac heat, which is named after a wrestler from the 90s named X-Pac who elicited that exact reaction. People didn't care that he was good at his job. They weren't booing him because he was a villain. They were booing him because they didn't want to see his ass. Oh, wow. And it's often the kind of heat you see when the crowd boos a baby-faced wrestler instead of cheering them like they're supposed to. And as you'll hear more of on the next episode, Bo Dallas has himself some X-Pac heat. Damn. But then again, so did The Rock at one time. So sometimes it doesn't matter. Okay. 
I'm sorry for all that, Bob. That was a load on you. I know I've been putting off the overness conversation for a while now, but we had to have it because like I will accidentally, I even did it this episode. I had to repeat myself and rephrase it. I said like putting someone over and like you just have to understand that terminology. Okay. I've never heard a preposition get this much of a workout before, <laughs> so I am very interested to see what me of later on comes up with for the fanfic. Good luck, later me. Well, since that was so mind-melting for you, let's give you two episodes Thank to you. come up with the fanfic for this one. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that we are having our very first guest on the next wrestling <gasps> we fan. We are! So, because we're having a guest... We're not going to do wrestling term of the week, so that will also give Bob the time that she needs to somehow make something out of this spaghetti of terminology that we've dumped on her head. Yes, I uh, spaghetti of terminology is precisely, I didn't know that those were the words I needed to encapsulate it, but yes, it is a spaghetti of terminology. <laughs> With context meatballs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the Parmesan of confusion. <laughs> well, now that your brain is thoroughly broken, Bob. Yeah, great. Bring let's it. head into the Cheap Pop Quiz. Question number one. What's going to happen with Leo Kruger next episode? Oh, well, we finally see him, I hope. Is it A, we have to watch the exact same fucking video package again for like the fifth time? Is it B, we have to watch the exact same fucking video package again, but this time he actually wrestles immediately afterward? Is it C, we don't have to watch the video package again, but he does finally wrestle? Or is it D, nothing, he's actually not on the episode at all? I am okay with B. I okay. will accept B into my life because I enjoy that package enough that this is me willing it into existence. I will watch it again if you give me Leo Kruger. Okay, so your answer is B. We have to watch the exact same fucking video package again, but this time he actually wrestles immediately afterward. Give me satisfaction! <laughs> Question two. Next episode features the return of Big E Langston, who will be taking on a man we haven't met yet named Aiden English. Oh! How does Langston feel after losing his title, and what happens? Is it A, he's fucking pissed, and he destroys English in less than a minute? Is it B, he's fucking pissed, and he ends up losing by disqualification when he won't listen to the ref? Is it C, he's fucking pissed, and his emotions allow English to take advantage, leading to a second straight surprise loss? Or is it D, he's timid and withdrawn, having lost all his confidence, and English defeats him easily? Mmm. I remember seeing Aiden English in the Battle Royal. That's right. And he was out real quick, and we haven't seen him yet, so I don't know if he's a big deal or not, but he was uh -huh. out real quick in the Battle Royal. My thought process. Oh, it depends on what they're doing with Vicky's character. I don't know. Um, Okay, you know what? I'm saying C. C, that's what I'm saying. I hope it's not C, but I, th I think it might be C. He's fucking pissed, and his emotions allow English to take advantage, leading to a second straight surprise loss. Yeah. All right, we'll see if that happens. And question three. Which character utters the following gothy poem next episode? Fallen into the ashes of the unknown, the hands of mercy have freed me. Is it A. Bray Wyatt, B. Page, 
C, the Ascension, Connor O'Brien, who you may remember meeting up with his vampire friend last time or a couple episodes ago. (laughs) Or D, the play-by-play commentator, Tom Phillips. Fuck you! This one's so hard! (laughs) Fallen into the ashes of the unknown, the hands of mercy have freed me. You know what? It's Tom. Tom Phillips says it. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Tom Phillips. I want to predict as well. This is pointless because I don't get extra points if I win this, but I'm going to say that he is saying that about something Connor O'Brien says. Like he's commenting about Connor O'Brien when he says it. Okay, fair enough. That's a good guess. I can definitely hear Tom Phillips saying it. You really softened me up with that over one before you got to this. Look, nobody said I was playing babyface in this podcast, Bob. Yeah, boy. Boy, I'm feeling it. Well, Bob, I think that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Got a a couple of uh, shout outs to give to some of our listeners. Yeah. Um, So Vampire Bree was very kind and uh, shouted us out along with some favorite podcasts, including Smash Fiction, and uh, said that our show is entertaining, informative. And uh, if you're mildly curious about trying to learn about wrestling, that our show is a nice show. And I was very flattered as a person who is myself, you know, going through the process of being wrestling curious. So thank you, Vampire Bree. Also wanted to give a shout out to Dan Mercer on Twitter at Mercer Wrestles. Uh, Dan and I worked together in some very, very minor league wrestling stuff (laughs) (laughs) when we were in college. And he is fucking awesome as a person and awesome as a wrestler. He said on Twitter that wrestlers and fans should listen to this podcast. Gives wonderful insights on what draws a non-wrestling fan in. Spoiler alert, it's good storytelling and believability. Uh, Seriously, though, these two delightful nerds are entertaining as hell. Just listen to it. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And Dan... For you and for everybody out there, suplex, buddy. Suplex. Oh. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Be sure to come back in two weeks when we have... (gasps) Lucas Brown! Lucas Brown from The Math of You joins us on the next episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.